So this is the Around the Lens podcast, along with Visu.News. Um, I'm here with John Rudolph, and we're talking about the, among other things, uh, we're talking about uh, covering, I guess, covering the pandemic in general. Um, but specifically, uh, both of us have covered the uh, reopen rally. I guess they're not protests, they're really rallies uh, that have been happening across America. Um, uh, helping spread <laughs> the virus even more, I think. But we'll see in two weeks on how what the numbers are in Harrisburg or or Portland or wherever else. Uh, would you mind introducing yourself? Tell me, tell me a little bit uh, who you are. Sure, and what you do. I'm John Rudolph, and I'm a photojournalist. I live in Portland. I've been here about thirty years, and I do a lot of political work, uh, documentary work, uh, both nationally and internationally. Uh, and uh, right now, obviously, I'm very constrained, like everybody else in the world, uh, about what I can, what I can cover, because I can't really fly safely yeah. uh, very much. Uh, but that's, that's what I do, and I've been doing it for a long time. And we both, uh, like the reason why we know each other, uh, we're friends, um, outside of, outside of, uh, even photojournalism is that, uh, we've been through a lot of this, a lot of the same, uh, shit, uh, <laughs> together, uh, covered, you know, covering the far right, um, in its different forms, whether it be, you know, actual, actual Nazis, um, down to the, you know, the, the MAGA protests and things like that, uh, or again, MAGA rallies that we've covered. Yeah. So, uh, we're we're both kind of um, uh, how shall we say uh, we have, we have made the same stations of the cross together. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, yeah. There you go. Had to bring religion into it, didn't you? But um, but yeah. So what? So um, I guess what I will you know first talk about like initial thoughts on on uh, on on covering it, and then kind of go into like more specifics about like what we did to prep and things like that. But what was your, what was your initial thought? I've, I've, I've written a piece on, on it for a uh, nation of change. And I think, uh, uh, which I'll obviously post in the, uh, post in the links. And, uh, so people will know my opinion <laughs> of covering it. Um, but, uh, what was, what was your thoughts on covering this? Was it, did you feel like it was different than on any of the other things that you cover? Well, importantly, I, I think that you've made, a very important distinction between a rally and a protest. Mm -hmm. And a protest is usually about something or against something, yeah. and a rally is to drum up support for something or someone. Yeah. And I think from what I've seen in reportage, including yours, of the Harrisburg and Michigan and Wisconsin rallies and so forth, yeah. <clears throat> they are a rally billed as a protest. Yeah. And I, and the the one that I covered the other day was identical. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a theme, you know, reopen Oregon, reopen Pennsylvania, reopen Michigan, etc. It's a theme with uh, uh, catchphrases like, you know, small businesses need help and why can't I get a haircut and so forth. Yeah. Um, and all of these are... Uh, very similar across these different state uh, episodes of these rallies. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> and at, at base, the issue that they raise is a legitimate one. It's one that I happen to disagree with. It's a one that most scientists disagree with, but that's neither here nor there. What they are saying is the economic, what they are saying up front is that the economic damage, the social damage, the infringement of liberty damage is so great that uh, the economy needs to be reopened. And that's sort of the surface message. And that's, if you will, the protest. Yep. But the rally, which is what really wraps it up, is essentially a, a campaign for Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, the... Uh, 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 iconography there is the same, the flags are the same, the uh, a conflation of uh, religion and uh, politics is the same. And these are really uh, rallies disguised as protests. Yep. 
I, as a journalist, and I'm a journalist, not an activist, and I make that absolutely crystal clear, mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> the, the uh, point of my being there and covering this, on the one hand, is it's, it's news and it has to be shown. But importantly, it has to be documented. It has to be, there has to be a source of neutral, non-activist uh, uh, recording, reporting, photojournalism, etc., mm -hmm. that will show the world that uh, this is something other than what it claims to be. I mean, because that's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting point. I think almost, you know. Uh, at least the, the Venn diagram of what we cover, most of this stuff, there's this continual argument about, uh, at least that I see in, when I post about it or whatever, and be like, oh, you shouldn't cover it. Just let them do their thing and right. don't give it the media attention to deserve. I saw a lot of that on this and I kept saying, well, first off, no, it's it's an event. It's it's important to cover it. Um, I believe that the the right wing would probably say the same thing about left wing protests and things like that. So like, in that way, like not to bring, you know, not even the political aspect of it, but like both sides kind of say this stuff. Um, but uh, again, there is, you know, <clears throat> beneficial, not only because these events in particular, um, these events in particular are, have already been proven through much very good journalism uh, that they are uh, funded, um, the, the, the push to start them. Like, I don't think that I, I don't I have never seen any any evidence that people have been paid to be there. Like previous protests, we've had Tea Party rallies where people, you know, way back then were paid 50 bucks to show up and wear a T-shirt and things like that. That's that's nothing really new. Um, but there uh, people, everybody I talk to and every all the evidence I could see online that I uh, that have covered it. This is a natural thing that has been pushed along by people like the Koch brothers. Um, and so it's important in a way that to make those connections between what really happened and what, you know, also what investigative journalism is, is finding and that sort of thing. But what, so what, I mean, have you thought about that? You know, the fact that like, you know, whether or not it's worth it to cover it or whether it's like beneficial, does this, do you think, do you, does that enter into your, your coverage, uh, whether or not it's beneficial for this movement, um, which is arguably a dangerous movement, <laughs> um, just health-wise. I'm not even talking about politically or anything like that. Uh, but did you think about the fact that this may end up helping them? I've thought about that for years and many years. And that is an absolutely legitimate question. And I think that you and I are in agreement that the answer is yes, we should, indeed, we must cover it. Uh, the argument that, quote, you know, showing these people for, you know, you know, ha having, showing these rallies encourages others, et cetera, et cetera. This is an old, old, old trope. It predates us by decades. Yeah. And I don't think it's correct. And I don't think it's correct for a variety of reasons. First, as, as we both agree, it's news, it needs to be covered. Mm -hmm. Second, showing what is going on allows the reader, the viewer, the consumer of news or imagery to make their own connections that the iconography and the imagery, etc., is identical in uh, you know, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Oregon, mm -hmm. Virginia, blah, blah, blah. All of that is correct. Third, <clears throat> and this is, well, third, I simply think that it is false. I think it is an, an, an untrue statement to say showing these rallies or showing these pseudo protests will encourage other people to join the movement and make it snowball. I, I think there is no empiric evidence to support that. Yeah. So I, mean, I, yeah, go ahead. I think on balance, we are in agreement that it's our duty to do it. And we've got to allow people to see the similarities. And uh, I don't think we are endangering people uh, in, in, in doing this. I don't think we're endangering democracy to, to do this.
I mean, I, I'd argue also is that it's um, especially for our work. And um, uh, I saw I've seen a, a bunch of other like our, our fellow co our colleague, uh, Carter Adams. And, and uh, like I've seen the coincidence that a lot of a lot of people who cover the kind of well, I'll say white extremism uh, kind of world have been showing up to these rallies. Um, I saw at least one or two other photographers at my the rally I went to in Harrisburg uh, there as well. And and so I think that it's an obvious conclusion that at least at minimal our our world certainly covers it. And sometimes I do like I've seen local I've seen local coverage uh, from news agencies. Uh, I will not include. I just always want to asterisk because I know that uh, a, a friend of at least a friend of mine. I don't know if you know Christopher Post, uh, fantastic uh, uh, photojournalist uh, down in uh, southeastern Pennsylvania. I forget what his town technically is, um, but he's a uh, videographer down there and he's a MPPA member. He's a guy that runs basically if you have a like how to keep yourself safe, sort of the, mm -hmm. I forget what they're called, the the courses and things like that. He usually runs them for MPPA. He was <clears> down there as well. His coverage was absolutely fantastic. Um, and his reporters, his on-camera person's uh, coverage was fantastic. But I have seen a bunch of uh, local news reports that, you know, talk about, put these in, spin the coverage in such a positive light without any of the negative aspects of it, like, which not even like, I get giving like the human side of things, um, you know, like, oh, I understand, you know, I feel sympathetic for the like the hairdressers and the dog groomers and things like that that can't that, you know, like dog like on the on the Pennsylvania page, uh, they asked they they did a thread on Facebook. Uh, they did a thread uh, basically asking, what is your job? Just kind of like, you know, just wondering, like, what is your job that's being affected by this? And there's a it was a wide huge wide range of jobs but one of the most the most thorough ones that i saw listed was dog groomer okay <laughs> um yeah. which which i get that there's this argument that like they'd only you know like it is one of those kind of tertiary jobs where you can make the argument that this isn't really something that you need to worry about in the same way as a <clears throat> restaurant or something like that and well there's it's yeah. it's a tertiary job but the issue is not whether we need to worry about it. People yeah. will make their own decisions, financial or whatever, yeah. about whether to go to a dog groomer. What is relevant is that it's important to the dog groomer. Yeah. A and if these protests, if the focus was on, uh, gee, there's this economic downside, uh, to shutting down the country for coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, the government needs to do more to help. There needs to be a more equable and appropriate distribution of bailout monies, etc., etc., etc. That's one thing. What we are seeing in these rallies, and I use that word advisedly, mm -hmm. is different. Yeah. And th as I've said, these are these are pseudo protests. Yeah. Sorry, as your one of the reasons I it, it entered my mind is your uh, my labradoodles downstairs right now, and yeah. I see that you're out of the corner. <laughs> yeah, we, we always have on around the a couple episodes where like either cats <clears throat> decide to join the podcast or dogs or whatever. So it's always we always make a note of it because they're adorable and they're the only way the only thing keeping us sane right now. Um, <laughs> that is. Absolutely correct. <laughs> mine, is, mine is being punished right now because he ran after a car. So uh, he has to go on walks with a leash uh, for a while. Yeah. We have a backyard. But anyway, um, but um, because, I mean, that's one thing that uh, I saw. I don't know. Um, it was it the same at yours where there was a lot of focus on the kind of conspiracy aspect of uh, this virus, whether it be the fact that it was a, let's see, uh, mine was, it was, a, I saw signs that said it was a communist plot. Um, the vax, the anti-vax world obviously was huge there. Um, the fact that, you know, Democrats are building this for Donald to make Donald Trump look bad and things like that, which it, you know, there is definitely an argument that if this was like led by like a local chamber of commerce basically pushing their beliefs that we should open up more reasonably, even if it doesn't involve bailout money and things like that, which I get, there's a very strong, I, I didn't talk to anybody there or it didn't see anybody there that I had a feeling that were anything but libertarian Republican, if they were Republican, you know, in that world um, was a, what was, what, what did, what kind of like, what did you see at least when it comes to signs and if you talk to anybody? Well, 
you, you raise, again, an excellent point. Uh, here's my buddy. Um, there is the usual suspects show up at these things. Now, this admittedly was a small rally. I counted it was between 50 and 60 people. But the one next weekend is going to be probably 10 times that. Yeah. And the usual suspects here included the anti-vaxxers, unquestionably with T-shirts, uh, you know, uh, with their vaccine business. And, you know, the Democratic hoax business. We're just doing this to, you know, insult the president. Yeah. That was there. The gun rights people were there. Uh, there were some Q people. Uh, <clears throat> they're always present. Uh, there is what the left wing calls intersectionality. Yeah. Also exists on the right. And, and mm -hmm. I, 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 I've thought about this as carefully as I can. If you look at a left wing rally, and I have covered dozens and dozens of them for years all over the country. If you look at the big left wing rallies, uh, they are all, they always start with a protest about something, you know, gay rights or Black Lives Matter or gun violence or immigration or whatever. Mm -hmm. And along with that group, there is, there's always, everybody has to have their say. Everybody has to talk about their particular cut on whatever, broadly speaking, left wing yeah. issue was raised originally. But the conflation, the, the direction of, you know, the anti-gun uh, violence people and the gay rights people and the Black Lives Matter people and so forth, yeah. all has to do with rights. Yeah. Okay. And that or either rights or human freedom or decency or civility or whatever. Yeah. The intersectionality, and I've stolen that word now, the intersectionality on the right is diametrically opposite. Yeah. The uh, Second Amendment people, the uh, vaccine people, the uh, uh, COVID is a hoax people, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. the, the, broadly, the culture wars people. Yeah. Are they all conflate towards one issue also. And that issue is elect Donald Trump. Yeah. And there's simply no... I am not being one side or the other by saying so. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. If you go to these rallies, and you and I have been to these by the dozens yeah. for years, always the biggest flags are the Trump flags. The only uniform iconography is the MAGA hat. And so the <clears throat> I am at great pains when I cover a uh, uh, demonstration or protest, large or small, yeah. to show the, the uniformity of imagery that uh, these people come up with. They're talk, talking about, you know, my Second Amendment rights, it's with yeah. a MAGA hat. If they're yeah. talking about, I want to go back to work, it's with a MAGA hat. If they're talking about something in the culture wars, you know, the, you know, the, you know, women are out of their place or gays are out of their place, or, you mm -hmm. know, the usual right wing spiel. Yeah. It's always with a MAGA hat. That is the the rally wrapped in the protest that I've yeah. talked about. Yeah. Think of it as, as a rally taco. Yeah. <laughs> you you you're, feel free to steal that. <laughs> I what I what I actually found interesting in mind, and this is just like a random side, but that no one was really talking about the the new slogan was keep America great again. <laughs> <laughs> or keep America great this time. It wasn't CAG. It was back to MAGA. And so I'm curious if we if they can they think that they did some backtracking. But that was just aside. But um, I just very quickly because I mean we've both seen. I I've seen uh one two three administrations um uh of protests and outside of the very kind of brief blip of Tea Party protests, which were more events. Like there was always a singers and things like that. It was more of a, you know, and, and it was very clearly 
some level of pair. I, I always feel felt like it was some level of parody of a left wing protest. Um, like they were clearly mocking the idea of protest, but still doing it. Uh, and I think that the cosplay and the the kind of the wearing outfits and the tea bags themselves literally came out of like making fun of the left wing response to and everything like that. But it has been it has been fascinating to me that like it used to be that I just covered left wing protests, like because there just wasn't right wing protests or rallies or things like that because I didn't cover. Mm. I didn't really cover politics up until the last like four years um, in so much as I didn't go to the RNC and the DNC and things like that. Like that's um, for me, it's a it's a new end of things. But it has been interesting that I had like within like since 2000, um, there hasn't really been um, until like the last couple of years, there hasn't really been a a right wing protest movement or a rally movement. Like I don't they, even during Obama, when they genuinely had something that they believed at least that they had something to protest. Even then it was very few and far between. And there's still way, way more left-wing protests than there was anything else. But for some reason now during Donald Trump's uh, uh, tenure, we've had nothing but, I mean, I barely even cover right uh, left-wing protests anymore. Like, you know, you go to a move on rally that used to have 10,000 people at it, 500 people show up. And this is during pot, like arguably, within many people's lifetimes, especially people that, you know, younger people, you know, I don't know, under 40, like people who might go to protests, like this is arguably the most important time to actually be out in the streets and do things and whatever. And so it's been, I, I just, uh, you know, I'm mostly an East coast person. Have you seen, I guess, have you seen the same thing on the, uh, the left coast there? Um, well, as I said, you know, I'm, I'm in Portland and we have, uh, uh, pretty robust history of left-wing activity. Uh, Right-wing activity, as you say, uh, has always been sort of under the flagstones, uh, e uh, even out here. Yes. It's been either geographically extremely isolated, small pockets of people in little backwater towns, you know, with their conspiracy theories and their prepper mentality and so forth. Yeah. There, there's always been that. Uh, the, the right wing activity, as you probably know, uh, prior to this administration has basically focused on violence. Yeah. Uh, there, you know, the, the bombings and the shootings and the arsons and so forth have, uh, have always been there. But now, uh, you know, since since 2016, since 2015, mm -hmm. all of that stuff has come out in the open, and I, I, it's become much more organized. The the uh, gasoline on the fire has been, you know, the likes of you know Rush Limbaugh in Radio Land, and then the internet uh, conspiracy theorist trolls on the on the you know which are innumerable yes uh but yeah i mean the first political protest that i ever covered was the march on washington yeah. in 1963 i heard the i have a dream speech live yeah uh so <laughs> we've got a long history there yeah. but but as i look back on that that was a demonstration for a point, the full name, the full title of that activity was the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom, yeah. August 28th, they, they were most certainly not rallying for Jack Kennedy or Lyndon Johnson. Absolutely <laughs> not. I mean, certainly Ab not. <laughs> absolutely not. And they were, to use the contemporary phrase, they were absolutely on message. That was what they talked about. And... You know, I've been very wrapped up in covering, you know, what could be called the culture wars, but it's really political wars. Yeah. You know, since, you know, since Trump came down that escalator on, you know, that, you know, when he announced for the presidency. Yeah. And I, like you, I had never seen anything like the profundity or the openness of these right wing rallies. Um, 
You know, that's that's a fact of life that we're living with. It, it'll it'll be really interesting that um, to see kind of almost no matter. I mean, I, I assume if if Trump wins again in November, they'll continue. But if he loses, it'll be. Uh, I think all of us are kind of both deeply worried about what may happen um, <laughs> just by, you know, anyone who follows any of the message boards or anything like that, that about, you know, the conspiracies of, you know, stolen elections already being planned out and things like that. It'll be interesting to see what rallies and kind of the protest culture, which now has really genuinely two sides. I mean, like I, I recognized a bunch of the people that were at the rally. And like that's P Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I don't live there. It's not like they, they're my neighbors or anything like that. But like having covered because that area in Pennsylvania has a lot of rallies and also um, uh, like um, to the right rallies. And also Trump has spent a lot of time in like Hershey, Pennsylvania and that whole area. This is really a core area for him. And uh, and so like I've recognized a handful of people there that I've talked to four years ago or whatever because they're they're quite memorable often. Um, and, uh, and like a lot of this, you know, I mean, a lot of the signs and things like that. I mean, like, you, you know, you just kind of attach several with, they wear the, a particular MAGA hat, uh, that they choose to wear and things like that. Um, but that was my, that was my experience precisely, even at this tiny little rally, which literally was about 60 people. Yeah. Uh, I recognized, you know, some of the usual suspects who had come in, from Seattle yeah. and Vancouver, Washington, and Portland and Gresham. I, I mean, we, you know, we all know each other on a first name basis. Yeah, uh, that's one thing. But the much, much more important issue that you raise is, you know, what what happens after November. Yeah. And you and I, you know, you're my friend as well as my colleague, and we've talked about this a lot. <clears throat> and I am more a liberal Democrat, and I don't mean Democrat in the sense of party. I mean, I, I'm, I'm more concerned about liberal democracy than maybe some others on the left are. But that said, I feel that the ideal of a government of, by, and for the people literally is perishing from the earth right now in front of us. Yeah. And I, th this is not a uh, conspiracy theory. I've been reporting this stuff for years. If Trump wins in November, it will be our last election. Period. Full stop. If Trump loses in November, there's going to be blood in the gutters. But it will at least be temporary. Yeah. And we're in for a very difficult time either way. Yeah, no, and I, that, yeah. that is why, by the way, mm -hmm. and, and this is a very, very broad brush picture answer to one of your earliest questions. Uh, I think we need to document what's going on so that future generations, if there are future generations. If the hard drives I'm, uh, I'm aren't not, demagnetized. <laughs> I'm not being funny. Uh, if So that future generations will have something to look at. Yeah. Uh, you may have heard of Roman Vishniak, the great Polish photojournalist who took his Leica through the, the shtetls of Eastern Europe just before Hitler, and it was the last surviving uh, recollections of a lot of ghetto life. Yeah. And uh, to some extent, you know, that's why I back up my hard drives 27 ways to Tuesday. Yeah, I want yeah. there to be a record. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, uh, after, uh, I took that, the photo that I'm the only reason anyone knows who I am, um, uh, in Charlottesville of, uh, DeAndre Harris, um, a lot of people compared it to, I have a handful of different photos in uh, the civil rights movement of, you know, someone being, a, a, a gentleman being attacked in, in, in a, uh, I think it was a Walgreens, um, it, it was the, not a Walgreens, the what am I saying? It was the it's protest a, at a, yeah. at a, a counter. In, yeah, in, yeah. I forget yeah. the name of the restaurant, but yeah. Yeah, yeah no. And and the 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 man is still alive and, and lives in New York. Um the New York Post, I think it was, or the Daily News did a did a piece where they actually interviewed him and showed him the photo and it was and it was yeah. Um but so I mean the these cycles keep coming around again and I just wish that 
we wouldn't have to keep covering this. But but speaking of keeping uh, figuring out what we do in the future, uh, very briefly, like how so? How did you um, how did you prep for this um, uh, for this event? Well, because I mean, yep, there there unfortunately. Yeah. Two completely different answers to your question. Exactly. Well, not physically, uh, as in uh, PPE. Uh, no, 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 yeah. no, no. Okay. There, I mean, forget about the you know the yeah. psychological stuff. Uh, normally, when I go to you know a actions of the, yeah. you know everything from little things like this to big things like Charlottesville, uh, I'm able to engage on some level. With people, I'm able. Even if I'm I'm talking with Nazis, which I do a lot, uh, I can talk with them. I can get a name. I can get a comment or two as to why they're saying what they're saying or doing what they're doing or wearing what they're wearing. And unfortunately, for this particular event and for events in the foreseeable future, I am almost mute and deaf. Uh, you know, they say no picture is worth your life, and that's generally correct. But I, you know, on the one hand, I don't want to be photographing people at rallies or demonstrations like I'm shooting animals in a zoo because I'm not. They're people. On the other hand, every time I talk with them, I'm putting my life at great risk mm -hmm. in a way that I didn't three months ago. Yeah. So the other day when I went to this little rally, I had heavy jeans, heavy boots, socks, underpants, undershirt, shirt, extra shirt, polyester jacket all zipped up to the top, an N95 mask, a mask over the mask, ballistic goggles, and a hat. When I got back to the car, I stripped down to my underwear, put everything in a plastic bag, threw the, the uh, collected clothing in the washer when I got home on two cycles of hot, uh, disinfected my cameras with isopropyl alcohol, uh, and I'm crossing my fingers. Yeah. And that's, and I, you know, obviously I'm, I'm close to people. I'm a lot closer to people than I wanted to be, yeah. but I couldn't engage with them. Yeah. I mean, I could have, but the risk goes up exponentially the more I do. Yeah. And, you know, I've got a, a wife to think about. I've got a kid to think about. Yeah. I've got a me to think about. Yeah. Um, I will go into any kind of riot situation. We've both done the same things. They're pretty hairy. Yeah. And it, you know, on the one hand, I can see what's coming at me. On the other hand, if somebody, you know, fires a, a bullet at me, I'm not going to bring the bullet home to my wife. Well, and, part of it anyway, but yeah. <laughs> dark. But, yeah. but, but uh, I, I feel as though I'm not, I'm not presenting the full story because my captions are, are anemic my uh, verbal or intellectual contextualization of my photos is anemic uh, because I can't engage. Yeah. Or I can't engage nearly to the degree that I did three months ago. Yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, we have, a, we have a mutual colleague and friend, uh, Sandy uh, Bacham, um, uh, and... Uh, um, she has this amazing ability of getting anyone to talk to her, um, on the left, on the right. And like, she's done some amazing videos for now this, and they've got millions of views because she's able to get people to talk to him. I have, uh, I have a much, much lesser ability, um, uh, because I'm not, I guess I'm not as jo you know, as jovial. You're as not, you're not a little New York yeah. grandmother. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's the, it, but one of the things that being able to talk to people who have the, um, especially this group of people who have an immediate dis, dislike and distrust of the media, like mm -hmm. in any form. And if you have a camera, if you have a whatever, 
even honestly, sometimes if you have the Fox News logo tag on the side of it. Um, but I decided, which I, I do sometimes, kind of half for safety, half for whatever. I wear, I have a hat that I picked up um, from uh, a, uh, a gun range I went to in Tennessee that says Tennessee Gun Range. And it, you know, it's a step. It is a genuine thing. I lo- I had I had a, a a great time there. The people were incredibly nice. So it's not just like it's like my like I have an NRA cap that I occasionally will wear if I go to an NRA convention because it at least it brings things down a little bit. But the the inability to show people that you're engaging with them, like I you know because people will talk to you and all that they see now is your eyes. And my eyes are focusing on, is my camera in focus? Is Because I'm shooting video and everything like that. Is the sound levels right? Because I can't hear a damn thing uh, other than every five words. So I have a vague idea of what they're saying at these. Because the one that I covered in particular was on two sides of a two-lane road, which people were just literally driving back and forth, continual honking of horns. So I did three interviews and then honestly, I I didn't even think that I got anything. I was able to pick up one interview that I could hear the audio on another interview. The, the woman was very nice, but she was a little bit more soft-spoken. So like you can hear it. I could, I could transcribe it, but I couldn't hear it. Uh, But like, it's not something that I put up on online to get people, you know, people just be like, I, (laughs) but the the fact that there's no usually my interviews and like they stop and then I'll go on and chat with them for another 10 minutes. And that's honestly usually because I also write. That's usually when I pick up the interesting things, when I have the camera down and we're just kind of standing next to each other, looking at a crowd, looking at the audience or whatever and chatting or whatever. Some of my most interesting conversations I've ever had uh, at Donald Trump rallies were cameras off, audio or everything off. And I just have you know, my own memory that I hope to God that I remember particular quotes or whatever. And, you know, it's never off the record. They're clearly still talking to a journalist. It's not like I go, oh, this is off the record. Now you can say whatever you want. Um, but people are, you know, understandably, you know, more honest. Um, I'm like that too. It's not like, you know, um, you know, be a little bit more open with your politics or thoughts or whatever um, off camera. They don't, they don't feel like they have to play for the crowd as much because one thing that um, I know it like MAGA rallies usually uh, of any kind. That's just whether it be a MAGA rally or whether it be a Donald actual Donald Trump rally in a stadium or whatever, is that the moment you start doing an interview with somebody, you get a crowd around you, um, which continually happens to me. I know it happens to Sandy as well as everything like that, because people want to hear what you're not, not what that person is saying, but what you're saying to that person. Mm-hmm. And and it's always it, it ends up being a very interesting thing because you end up picking other people up and you can, if you can turn the camera around or whatever and it becomes a whole interaction. But at this you know this thing it wasn't really possible. Um, but are, so do you think are you gonna are you gonna be going to cover the the next one? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, I can lower the risk as much as I can. Uh, and I can attenuate the, my degree of engagement with the people that I'll be covering. And that isn't ideal, but on the other hand, you know, the Washington Post is right, democracy dies in darkness. Yeah. And I want to try and get a little bit of light on the subject of, of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you you raised you just now raised in my opinion two important issues one is you know for example you know wearing some kind of iconography that might identify you as i mean i'm i'm not going to go in wearing a big resist button yeah, 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 or yeah. a a, a yeah. big you know obama button yeah. uh, into one of these rallies that's yeah. that's foolish but I am always extremely meticulous about wearing everything neutral, not because I'm neutral, but because I want to be seen as at least not an upfront enemy. Whether wearing a a Fox News cap or a a gun rights hat or something, whether that is kosher, I don't know. I haven't thought that through yet. And I've tried to think about it, and I've I've come to, to some... Uh, not very conclusive guides for myself, but uh, 
the other issue, and I think this is really important, is if you're able, let, let's go back to the pre-COVID era, all right? You know, before you weren't, yeah, you weren't putting <laughs> your life at risk yeah. by, by talking to somebody yeah. for 10 minutes. Yeah. I have, so to speak, embedded with some of the extreme right and with some of the extreme left. Because that is, especially when I'm reduced, I mean, you've got the luxury of an interview or a written article. You can, you know, uh, put out, you know, yeah. footage of conversations or write long form. I can do, if I'm really lucky, three sentences. Yeah. Excuse me. So I have to be very, very meticulous about what I include. But that's the work that I do as news for what is very, very broadly uh, held under the rubric of documentary work, that's where engagement is absolutely critical. You cannot, you know, you've, you, you can't, as they say, parachute in, make your shot and parachute out. You've got to, for, for a long or short time, doesn't matter, you've got to live with your subjects and, and get the world from their view. I think as well, I mean, one of the, I, I think that whether we like it or not, uh, journalists have become, because we are part, everyone like, oh, I don't want to be part of the story. I don't want to be part of the story. Guess what? Sorry. Donald Trump made us part of the story. That um, is correct. And that is that's been going on before Donald absolutely. Trump. It's not just yeah. Trump. But like, so every interaction that we have as mm -hmm. media is some weird level of activism like to me, like, and so I always try to make my, my interactions with everyone um, who I, I'll say everyone who I think can be like, who gives a shit. <laughs> I'll say like, if it's literally the Nazi that's yelling in my face um, about the Jewish conspiracy of media, whatever, I don't really care. Like, I'm going to be honest, like I, that, that's a voice that, that there are, there's groups that can try to change that person. Um, I'm not in that wheelhouse. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to talk, but these mag, you know, like the, the make America great again, people and things like that. Like I've had, you know, I mean, there's, there's a pe person that both uh, Sandy and I have made whatever level of friends that you can make with a, <laughs> with a guy, um, that, um, Sandy featured in, um, in her, uh, one of her more popular videos, uh, where, uh, he's, uh, oh my God, I'm uh, frontline Joe. Um, mm -hmm. oh, he's yeah, a guy sure, that sure. falls, he's gone to like sure. 75, I don't even know how many Donald Trump yeah. rallies or whatever. And, you know, the first time I chatted with him, you know, he was, he's very gregarious, very like happy to talk to everybody or whatever, but he still was like the mentality. And like, I spent just 25 minutes hanging out with him in his car. And he started telling me stories about his life and whatever. And, and like, I was able to engage with him and be like, well, um, which is not something I usually don't do fact checks amidst interviews with random people. I'll do it with politicians. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But a random guy that I'm talking with a MAGA hat, I just listen within a five minute interview, I'm trying to get information from him. I'm a gatherer, but we were having a longer conversation. And so like, there's a handful of things like he started talking about Charlottesville and mm -hmm. talking about what happened there. And I'm like, well, I was there. <laughs> and like that immediately changed the conversation because like now I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to fact check you here because yeah. I was physically there and you're talking about things that I saw with my own eyes. And, um, and so it was, it was, you know, an interesting, but it's very rare that you get to have those conversations, especially one-on-one. -on -one. Cause like you said, like I've been on, you know, you've been, you're in a group, you're in a bar or something like that with a bunch of uh, people from the, you know, far right or whatever. And you can't really have that conversation with them because there's seven other people that are listening in and like that guy can't be seen as changing his view to other people and things like that maybe privately can but you know there's like it's a lot it's a you know we're for the most part we're else we're working on a short-term strategy and a long-term strategy we want to still be able to talk to this person six months from now but we also want to be able to get as much information from them as possible and so it unfortunately this is one of the biggest problems with these rallies is that like to try to find out what really is going on with a lot of people and find out more than just what's on their sign and it's 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 extremely problematic even trying to like the one one guy that I interviewed and put put up a video on that huge had his like barbarian hat on and things like mm -hmm. that. And like I tried to talk to him for a bit and it was just like 
the odd, like I couldn't hear anything. And so there was no real conversing. I had to make him repeat everything, but <sighs> no, you, yeah. you, you got your finger on, on a real, a real problem. And it, it's a real problem that has been terribly, terribly exacerbated by the current, you know, viral problem. I think that when you're to the degree to which you are going from shooting news to shooting documentary, to whatever degree you're able to do that, it is imperative to, as you say, shut off the cameras, keep maybe keep the tape recorder rolling, yeah. but just talk with these people and find out the story below the story. Yeah. You know, talk to the dog groomer whose business is going up in smoke because it's closed and find out, you know, that she's been, you know, beat up by the economic world for, you know, 25 years and she used to have a real job and now she's a dog groomer and so on and so forth. That's a legitimate documentary approach that is bloody hard right now. Yeah. Uh, there's an event that you may have heard of. It's been all over the country. Uh, all, all of the, the bars and restaurants and so forth are closed in Oregon. Mm -hmm. and, and that includes the strip joints. Yeah. And one enterprising uh, strip joint owner who yeah. apparently is you know, not a pimp, he's, he's a decent human being, as decent as you can be owning a strip joint, yeah. uh, set up a mechanism for food delivery with a stripper. Yeah. And, and they would, you know, so you've heard about this. Yeah, I've seen the photos and videos. Yeah, yeah. Fine, fine. <laughs> and that's, I mean, uh, if you shoot it, oh, gee, funny, you know, naked girl delivering food to a doorstep and doing a, a pole dance, yeah. That's the news. Yeah. But finding out the relationship between the owner of the strip club and the girls that are now out of work yeah. and the guy behind the, the counter, you know, doing the cooking and the line chef and so forth. Yeah. That's a story. That's yeah. a documentary presentation. Those are different approaches. Yeah. Those are those are different things. And that second thing is fucking hard now. When you can't talk to people. Yeah. I mean, it's especially hard because, I mean, like, I, I do occasionally write written stories, but for the most part, I'm just like you. I'm uploading to my wire service, and I get those mm -hmm. couple sentences and things like that. And, I mean, I think that that's – because, I mean, you talk to, like, people like Jim Arquette, um, who's mm -hmm. a fantastic photojournalist um, mm -hmm. and covers a lot of the same things we do. And he gets to every – even less so because he is a pure – photojournalists like wire photojournalists or whatever but he occasionally very occasionally gets to write about his work and that's one of the reasons that i try it's so it's sometimes it's very difficult to get people to talk on on around the lens because i feel like it is photojournalists aren't used to telling their story as much mm -hmm. um other than like like you said that caption you know and and so but i think it's really important because you know reporters can do i know a lot of reporters who are doing fine work from home. Like you mm -hmm. can call up people, you can do, you know, I, I, I've written a couple stories. I'm actually working on a story right now about activists and how they're working and how they're doing things uh, amidst this shutdown. Mm -hmm. And that's fine, but it's still, it's so frustrating not being able to, not only is it like difficult to set up a Skype call and do things like that to actually interact with somebody, but as somebody who's a visual journalist in almost every way, it's like, I, I can't talking to somebody on the phone. I'm like, I don't know even know what questions to ask anymore. <laughs> like, cause I, it's been, it's been ages since I've did that. You, the only time I ever did that is when I was working as a researcher. And mm -hmm. then it was literally, I have five things that I need to get information on. I don't really care about what your emotional state is. I need facts and how do I get this for you? And you know, whatever, but it is. Well, so, you know, this, this is the what 26th of April or something, 27th something. of April. <laughs> and I have not been out of the house since March 13th. Mm -hmm. I, I walk my dog. Yeah. Uh, I will occasionally roll up the windows in my car and drive around town. And that's it. Yeah. I took some pictures of some closed stores about three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. The first time I engaged with the human race yeah. 
yeah. other than my wife and daughter. Yeah. And even the daughter from a 10 foot distance. Yeah. yeah. The first time I engaged with the, with the human race was this little rally the other day. Yeah. Uh, and that was 40 minutes by the clock. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's, you know, it's like being a swimmer where there's no freaking water. You know, and try I, to talk to talk to only interview right. people while you're underwater. <laughs> I I'm a fish, dude. I need a swimming pool. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's tough. But um, uh, I've already kept you way longer than I said I'm, I would. Whatever um, you want to do is fine. <laughs> but you know um, how to edit this stuff, and I don't. So do you? Um, so uh, uh, well, for I mean, just uh, where can people find your work? Um, okay, and uh, I have an agency called SIPA USA, S-I-P-A USA. They're based in New York. They've been around forever. Uh, I've been filing all of my news stuff with them for mm, two and a half years now, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a search box in the upper left corner of their home screen. Just enter my last name, Rudolph, R-U-D-O-F-F, -F, and there you are. I'm the only Rudolph in the world who does this stuff. So uh, that's easily findable. I have a website that is incredibly dusty, like every website, uh, Rudolph Photo, R-U-D-O-F-F-P-H-O-T-O. -F -F uh, and my stuff also, because SIPA has a very nice relationship with the Associated Press, uh, the stuff that I have with SIPA mostly goes to the AP wire, which is very nice. It's called apimages.com. Uh, and again, just put my name in the search box and there you are. Mm -hmm. And all of that is, is immediately visible. And I can be, you know, I, I've long since given up on any kind of privacy except my, you know, signal and telegram phone calls. <laughs> uh, so I can be Googleable in a heartbeat. And there you go. And, and, and no one, and there's, uh, you don't have, uh, I forget, do you have an Instagram? Uh, I do. Thanks for reminding me. Excellent question. Yeah, I do. But I, I put a picture on Instagram about once a week, maybe. <laughs> well, we uh, all have the privacy. We, we all have to consider the uh, the new embedding lawsuit that just went yeah, through, too. So is, I've actually put a, my account on private. I finally gave up on Instagram doing something. And yeah. and so, yeah, being no, Mine just I. Still, I it's still public, but it's only got about 40 pictures yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just always wondering. I was wondering if uh, people have a place to find photos of your dog or anything like that. So that's me. Uh, there's a couple <laughs> of dog pictures. Uh, but uh, we yeah. both we both have the same breed of dog. So it's, now, it's that's my, now my oh. daughter yeah. did a whole Instagram account mm -hmm. uh, for the dog. Oh, and yeah. I. And I don't remember the name of it, but I think it's Labradoodle with three O's. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember whether my, my dog Bowden, uh, which is a photojournalist dog uh, yeah. on Instagram. I'm oh, actually God. surprised that was uh, available, but uh, is uh, he's on, uh, I think, I think they're friends. So that was, that's, that's basically what's important, you know? Good. Yeah. <laughs> but thanks so much, John, for, uh, for coming on. It's always um, a pleasure to talk with you. Yeah. Stay safe. Too. Don't get beat up, don't get shot, and don't get sick. <laughs> yeah, we have to add that third one now, sadly, but, you know, anyway.